0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Radical Reformers podcast. I'm Andrew Laird. I started this podcast for a very simple reason. You can find podcasts on pretty much any topic, but I wasn't aware of any that were focused on public service leaders. So rather than wait for somebody else to do it, I decided to give it a try. I wanted to give public service leaders a platform to tell their stories, to talk about the reforms and innovations they put in place, and to share lessons in leadership. I think this will be particularly interesting for current and future public service leaders, but a lot of the lessons are more broadly applicable. So I hope you enjoy it, and please remember to register on the website to never miss a future episode. Okay, so this episode is a little bit different in that my Mutual Ventures colleague David Fairhurst will be doing the interviewing. David is talking to Debbie Barnes, who is the Chief Executive of Lincolnshire County Council. David will talk to Debbie about the Children's Services Improvement Journey in Lincolnshire and also how Lincolnshire has worked with other councils to help them on their own improvement journey. They will talk about the relationship between Lincolnshire County Council and health partners and how that has worked. Debbie moved from being Director of Children's Services at Lincolnshire County Council to being Chief Executive, and it might surprise you to hear that that is not a typical progression route for a Director of Children's Services, so it is very interesting to hear Debbie describe that journey. So I'm going to hand over to David and Debbie right now, and I am very grateful to them both for taking the time to record what is a fascinating interview. I hope you enjoy it.
1: Hello everyone, I'm David Fairhurst and this episode of Radical Reformers is with Debbie Barnes. Debbie is the Chief Executive of Lincolnshire County Council. Born and bred in the county, she joined the council in 2006 and was promoted to Director of Children's Services in 2012. She made her mark in that role, establishing Lincolnshire as one of the strongest performing services in the country. As an improvement advisor, Debbie shared the benefit of her experience with Rotherham Borough Council, chairing the Improvement Board there helping them tackle the deep-seated issues in their children's social care services and achieve a good judgment from Ofsted. In 2018, Debbie was awarded an OBE in the Queen's Birthday Honours List, with Lincolnshire County Council leader Martin Hill saying that under her leadership, children in Lincolnshire enjoy higher quality education, better examination results, strong safeguarding and more joined-up support than many other areas in the country. It was perhaps no surprise then that Debbie subsequently was offered the role of acting head of paid services as long, alongside her director of children's services role, and she was subsequently made substantive chief executive in January 2020. Thanks very much uh, for talking with me today, and, and perhaps for the benefit of our listeners, you could kick things off by telling us a little bit more about your background.
2: Great, Th- thank you very much, David, and thank you for inviting me on to the, uh, do a podcast this morning as well. Um, a little bit nervous, but very much looking forward to it uh, and to sharing my experiences both professionally and personally. Um, and thanks for the, the introduction as well. I'm very proud personally of what I've achieved, uh, but I couldn't have achieved it without the great support and some wonderful colleagues that I've worked with along the way. And um, I think it's because of some of those experiences that I've had with working with some amazing leaders that actually I've been able to look and learn about what they've achieved, which has helped shape shape my career. Um, So my background is is paediatric nursing. So I'm a children's nurse by background. Um, As you said, born and bred in Lincolnshire, Um, left Lincolnshire to go down to London to do my nurse training. Um, finished my nurse training and then spent some time in New York. Um, I'd like to say that they were career aspirations, which is why I went over to New York. But um, tragically, somebody broke my heart and 3,000 miles away seemed to be a good way of getting oh. them. Uh, so I had a great time in New York. Came back with a view that I do some more of the London hospitals and stay temporarily, uh, but then met my husband-to-be and so the ball and chain firmly went on mm-hmm. and no more traveling for me. So done some more of the London hospitals. Then we moved back up to Lincoln because we wanted to buy a house that we could afford <laughs> and, and settle down and have children to be near family as well. Um, then again worked at some of the hospitals here before having the privilege of working in Shore Start, which I have to say was one of the most amazing career development opportunities ever. For mm-hmm. somebody with a very firm health background to be able to lead and shape a project which had sufficient funding, it was something new, it was something creative. It was about being able to be accountable to the local community. It was just such an exciting time for my career personally, but also, I think, for the children's agenda, the whole Every Child Matters agenda. um, And it was just a number of things coming together that I think was just a springboard for for my career. And it was working in Sure Start that introduced me to local government. Right. Um, And so that was the sort of bridge from health into local government. Mm -hmm. Um, And then pretty much joined um, Lincolnshire County Council, joined with, again, an amazing leader, Peter Duxbury, who was the director of children's services there who um, put me into every single situation that he could think of where I'd feel uncomfortable (laughs) uh, to be able to learn and really grasped every opportunity that he gave me, which meant I fast-tracked through the organization. And um, I find myself in the position that I am in now after having, I think, some wonderful opportunities for people who really believed in me and helped me develop the confidence to believe in myself as well
1: so you didn't embark on this as a a career plan a career path like many people it's sort of been a a number of logical steps at the time think opportunities at the time that first of all led you into local government but you didn't set out with any great aspirations to be chief executive of a, a, a local authority
2: no no not not at all and um I think there's, um, there's something there, I think, about uh, the way that you look at your career path. So I've always thought that it is my job to keep myself as employable as I personally can. And that's about grasping every learning opportunity that is available to you, as well as grasping every single uh, professional and practical o- opportunity that's afforded to you. I-, I always think that people grow into the space that people put them into. Um, So the the higher the space, the bigger the challenge, the more that people will grow and meet that challenge um, and and achieve well. So I think that it's really important to grasp every single possible opportunity. Um, So as a child growing up, I had um, an aspiration to be a ward sister, That was my aspiration. I wanted to be a sister on a ward, Um, and then when you get there, you want the you 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 want the next opportunity. You want to carry on learning. That thirst for learning, uh, that thirst for new opportunities. That that's what I think has driven me on my career. That meant that I've. pretty much found myself here rather than designed myself here because I've grasped the opportunities and I have been fortunate enough that others have seen something in me to also um, put me into those positions to be able to make the most of those opportunities. But no, never, never seen myself as a, a chief exec at all
1: excellent well we'll we'll maybe come back to some of those uh sort of leadership uh tips and hints and experiences that you've had you know having some good mentors along the way and so on. come back to that a little bit later in today's discussion but where i'd like to start i'd like to start if that's all right with the children's services improvement journey in particular and your incredible experience really uh in that area so during your time uh, as Director for Children's Services in Lincolnshire particularly, but also bringing in some of your experience from from Rotherham. Um, but you took the services on quite a journey to the point where certainly in Lincolnshire they're recognised as one of the strongest performing children's services in the country and, and one of the Department for Education's 16 or so partners in practice. Um, what was the situation when you first took over the reins?
2: So I want to probably go back a little bit further in 2006 Mm -hmm. when I first joined the authority. Mm -hmm. um, New director of children's services, Peter Duxbury, new leadership team. um, And I joined as the business manager of the Safeguarding Children's Board, which was also a new new role. Um, I think it's fair to say at that point we had the JAR, for those people that remember the (laughs) the JAR, uh, which was the inspection framework there. And we were judged to be satisfactory. Um, I think we were lucky to be judged as satisfactory, if I'm absolutely honest with you. And we had um, a new leadership team coming together under Peter's leadership um, that, again, was, again, I think a a really unique opportunity that a group of people um, who thought in a very similar way, um, had a very similar aspiration, wanted to create that culture of integration. So to me, leadership is all about relationships. Um, so there was a strong team that really were driven by the same ambition for what we wanted to achieve for the area and believed that integration of education, health and care was the way to achieve that. Um, so under Peter's leadership, been part of that team and very privileged to be part of that team, the improvement journey started then. So when I then was fortunate enough to take on the director of children's services role, we were a strong Council, a very, very, very strong council. So my role has been very much about sustaining that good performance um, and also then um, working with the Association of Directors of Children's Services and the DFE to support those services that are strong to be able to mentor and support other leaders to help them on their improvement journey as well, um, and hence the role, the role with Rotherham. So, I think sustaining services is 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 a different skill to an improvement skill um, I, I often think that that the leadership of sustaining good and outstanding services you need to continually move forward because if you 're not moving forward you 're going backwards. The environment around us changes people's needs change society demands change and if you don't keep pace with that you're no longer in touch with the needs of the community and you're no longer relevant so if you're not moving forward you're going backwards and so that opportunity I think to be a partner in practice and work with others um, I think to really um, he- helped us as much as it helped and supported Rotherham and I've always seen the partners in practice role as being reciprocal. Every single leader and every single service has got something to give the sector. And everybody has got something to receive from the sector. It's not about Ofsted judgments. Nobody is absolutely brilliant and nobody's absolutely rubbish. Everybody has got something to give and everybody's got something to receive. So the opportunity for my staff to work in in Rotherham in particular, with the particular environment and the challenges that they were facing at that time was a huge development opportunity for my staff and our services really benefited from that interaction as much as I think Rotherham benefited from the relationship as well. So um, I I suppose I think that it's really important to lead with humility Mm. It is about relationships. It's about partnerships. It's about truly valuing what you've got to offer and what you've got to receive. And going into that partnership way of working with that level of humility Mm. so that um, you truly do listen and, and learn and recognize that you have always, always, always got something to learn.
1: Yeah, I think that's a, that's certainly a, a common trait, I think, amongst partners in practice. You know, I've spoken to, uh, leaders of those, uh, services. They all have a similar thing to say. They, they all feel they can learn from the organizations they're working with just as much as they have something to offer. So I think that's quite an important feature and characteristic.
2: I mean, again, I think there was something unique about the sector being and the DfE being really open for that sector led approach, Mm. which meant that we have been able to not only at an individual level, but also at a systemic level, Mm. uh, been able to achieve um, an engagement of that sector led approach, which I think schools were much more advanced than local authority children's services were. And been part of that been part of that new approach to develop and implement a sector-led approach. It, again, was a real privilege, and to see how everybody was nuanced in it to suit their individual contexts was, was again just remarkable to see that everybody across the whole sector were w- willing to engage and uh, uh, be open to learning from the sector, which, which I just think was a really powerful place to be, to a uh, space to be in as a leader.
1: So I'm really interested to understand when you engage with a service that is on the, in 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 need of support in need of help to turn things around, what's the starting point
2: um, so the starting point, as ever is about relationships isn't it mm-hmm. <laughs> and so um if you are going to work in a very honest and open way, particularly with the with the Director of Children's services but also with the leader and with the chief executive, which are your fundamental relationships within within that environment. What's most important is that you create a culture of openness, honesty, transparency and trust, because uh, there will be issues of the day that you need to manage and those issues will change. And um, what's what needs to be embedded and underpinned by all of that is a strong relationship of trust and honesty and openness to listen, to see it as support and challenge. uh, Again, I very much believe that you need that, um, as as Anton would say um, from the, the virtual college, a bit of grit in the system. You need support, of course you do, but you also need challenge. So high support and high challenge. And you can only do that, truthfully only do that, if you're working within a relationship of that openness, honesty, really valuing one another and trusting one another. Um, and I suppose again, I have the, the benefit of, um, of Ian Thomas been the Director of Children's Services in Rotherham. I've worked with Ian a lot in, in East Midlands because obviously he was a DCS in the East Midlands region. And so those, those fundamental relationships absolutely have, have to come first. And I think that's exactly the same with partnership work.
1: What key learning would you offer to leaders of children's services who find themselves struggling to cope with the multitude of pressures in their system
2: today? So there is a huge amount of pressure within that post, particularly, um, but a huge amount of opportunity as well. Um, and it is such an amazing job to be able to have such a positive impact on the lives of so, so, many, so many children and families in your area. I suppose there's a couple of key things that I learnt very much as a, as a new director of children's services. The first one is to be open for support because there are so many people within the sector that want to support you and want to create the conditions and help you to thrive. So the first thing is, is, is never be frightened to ask for support, there's lots of support out there and people who are really professionally generous with their support. I think the second thing that really helped my development and helped my confidence was being part of the Association of Directors of Children's Services. I found the whole culture and environment of that, uh, of the ADCS, uh, welcoming, supportive, challenging, real confidence boosting as well. Because the more that you interact with other directors, the more you gain your confidence as well. um, And that you more, you gain one or two individuals that you really sort of seek out and trust and you value and you, you know, you have a shared philosophy about the way that things, that things work. I think thirdly, create and invest in your relationships with your partners and with your members. Um, Children services can only thrive if the system thrives. The system will not thrive unless everybody is working as a cohesive partnership. So never, un- you know, never underestimate the value of partners and the need for partners to help create the conditions for you to thrive as well. So I think those would be the the key issues that I'd.
1: Terrific, great, great insights, and I'm I'm sure many people can can empathise with with those points in particular. One one of the key strengths of Lincolnshire is probably no no uh, accident, given your background in health, but uh, I particularly remember um, from your time as DCS is the strength of relationship with health, and. Presumably, those relationships have been really important in responding over the last 12 months to the the COVID pandemic. Um, It'd be really interesting to understand a little bit more about the way uh, public health services and social care services provided by the council are working with local health partners and providers. Would you say it's a genuinely integrated system now, care system within Lincolnshire?
2: Right. Um, so I, n- I never think you get to your destination because <laughs> um, when you get to that destination, you want another destination, wow. you want more integration. So I think there's some things that we're doing really well that I'm proud mm-hmm. of. Um, I think there's some things that, again, we're on a, ju- on a journey with. So, so no, I don't think we've got to a fully integrated care system. Mm-hmm yet Uh, do you ever get there um but i think that there are some foundations around partnership working particularly with health which are important and have become even more important over the last last 12 months and i think some things that have accelerated over the last 12 months because of because of covid as well um i think that and, and context is everything isn't it with with partnerships context is everything so i think that the the sort of some of the enablers which have helped us in terms of our integration journey with health would include the fact that we're coterminous <laughs> lincolnshire is very coterminous so our police force um our clinical commissioning group, whether there was four, whether there's one, the, the, the co-termin, coterminosity of the boundary has always remained in place, um, you know, obviously the, the, the council is Lincolnshire, um, and so that helps because you've got some key players um, and that everybody's passion and ambition is your local area, which is Lincolnshire. So there's something about the coterminosity which I think helps. I think the fact that I understand health, (laughs) because of my background, has, has helped. Um, and so there isn't such a language, there isn't such a language barrier. I think the third thing, and, um, I do think that this is important for leaders, and I think it is a trait that councils value, which is probably why I've developed and exceeded and thrived within a local government environment is that because you're working with members, it's important that you simplify really complex problems and describe them in a way that people can understand what you want to achieve and what it is you want to do to, in order to achieve those outcomes. And so part of my natural inclination is to really understand the problem that we're trying to fix <laughs> um, and then articulate what we need to do to solve the problem. And so utilizing really, you, you know, language that everybody can understand is is mm. harmonizing. Mm. And again, it took a while for me to develop my confidence and think that that was a strength. Um, I think early on in your career, you sometimes go into rooms and you think, oh, God, I didn't understand a word of that. And, and you come out and you feel that that's your issue, that you didn't understand it. And actually having the mm-hmm. confidence to say, no, 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 that's your issue because you need to simplify it so I can understand it, I, I think is a strength. So there's something about the Lincolnshire partners that do work together to truly understand the problem and simplify it and come up with a solution that we can all collectively understand what our part of the, the jigsaw is. Uh, I think we've got some really good staff working in our system across healthcare and education i think we've got some amazing leaders but we all what we what we have in common is we all put first what's right for lincolnshire
1: yeah i, I was going to ask and to some extent you've you've addressed it in part there i think i was going to ask what works particularly well about the relationship between council and health partners and from from what you say there's there's quite a quite a history and quite a, I suppose, a, a long, you've spent a long time working together maybe to break down some of those language barriers that would naturally exist. You've got that mutual respect among leaders. Are there, are there other kind of critical things there in terms of what what's working well between the, those various partners?
2: Um, I, th- I think the putting Lincolnshire first, I think, yes. is important. I yes. think we do spend time, we have a Lincolnshire leaders meeting where we just Come together and just chat about the issues of the day without an agenda. So again, mm-hmm. it helps forge is that that relationship to such a point that um, you know you you just feel comfortable ringing somebody up and saying I need to talk to you about this. Uh, so, so so yeah, I, I I do think we all collectively invest in our relationships so that we can ad- address the day to day issues in a in a you know collegiate collaborative way.
1: Yeah. So it's it's starting to work well as an integrated system but as you say you're on a journey so what are, what are the next stages on that journey what what could improve
2: um so i think we've done well on our children's integration uh, more to be done but i think we've done well i think the whole um, ics is a um, uh, the integrated care system is a really unique opportunity at this moment in time um and i suppose i'm pleased that the proposals will almost separate out the internal health issues and the partnership health and care issues so that the partnership can very much concentrate on the partnership issues uh, in one space and then the health collaborative can concentrate on the things that they need to concentrate on as providers and as commissioners together. So I think that's that's helpful about, about the white paper. Um, I think the drive around the integrated care partnerships been about uh, been about reducing health inequalities. I think is the right scope. Um, I think it is about encouraging health colleagues to look at place leadership and place leadership to look at health inequality challenges. So I think there's a lot to be welcomed in the white paper. We do need to have much more local accountability of our health system and we also need to encourage um health to have conversations about care and education and care and education to have conversations with health uh, uh, absolutely so I think you know and, and, and I've put housing in that mix very very firmly as well. So I think uh, there's a lot to be optimistic about in the white paper. I'm anxious, i suppose that um, uh, that it becomes again too bureaucratic and too top down, the more local flexibility we have. In order to respond to our local needs in whatever local structure or governance arrangements that we think are right will be much more likely to succeed than having a footprint that is handed down from government. But I do think that there is a lot to be optimistic about in the white paper as long as we can continue to look at things across a true system rather than saying traditionally we need to support health. We need to truly look at it as a, as a system.
1: Thank you, Debbie. We'll, we'll move on to the uh, final area of focus for today's conversation, which is your transition to, to chief executive. Now, you first took on the chief executive role at Lincolnshire County Council um, a couple of years ago. It became substantive over a year ago at the beginning of 2020. Not too many directors of children's services make that transition. Uh, to Chief Executive, so it'd be quite interesting to hear a little bit about your thoughts on why that might be the case. Um, Let's start by by understanding how you found the, the transition. Share with us, if you would, something of your experience. What came naturally to you and what aspects of the role took you away from your comfort zone?
2: Great. Right. Thank you very much. I'm not sure that I've transitioned. <laughs> <laughs> so, so first, still on that um, journey. Still on very, very firmly on that journey. And certainly the last year has definitely, definitely been a journey, I'm sure, for, for everybody uh, in this position. Um, so I suppose those are a couple of things about what I felt comfortable with. Um, but then also just to reflect, really, on the year that I spent as head of paid service and director of children's services be- before starting to transition to chief executive. Um, and that was tough. Um, I think it was tough because the, the director of children's role is a huge role as well. And the head of paid service role is a huge role as well. So lots of competing priorities. Um, And then I think a challenge, really, in terms of how you can truly challenge yourself when you're line managing yourself as well, doing two two very discreet jobs. But there is something, I think, about the head of paid service title that you're almost doing the chief exec role. You've got the responsibility and the accountability, but not necessarily seen in that way by the sector or by your partners. So there is something, I think, about really stepping up when you've got the title as as well, that um, for your confidence and in your own in your own sense, uh, you really feel as though you're stepping into the role when the title comes comes with that. Um, I think the things that I felt most comfortable with is that um, chief exec role is system leadership it is is what it is so it's about working with partners forging relationships creating the conditions so that your partnerships can thrive very similar to i think what we've been talking about with health and within within children's as well so that system leadership um bit comes naturally um i think the areas um of most challenge really I found, because of my background and been comfortable with the sort of people type services, was the place type services, and they are much more in my council in the political forefront. Those sort of place services are. So um, I think it's having the confidence that you don't need all the technical understanding around the place based services. That's what your executive director is there to do, but almost you want to try and grasp it and understand the totality of the technical knowledge. And there's a huge temptation to do that. And you have to try and get over that temptation. And then truly understanding the, the political interface as well, particularly, I think around those, those place services. Um, and there's something for me, I think, about really truly understanding that politics is a profession and really valuing that profession because that's that's what it is. And they're professionals with their own perspective and truly un- understanding, understanding that motivation and that uh, uh, and their background in terms of that professionalism, um, I think is you are exposed much more to than what you are in director of children's services role. So those would be, I think, the, the huge sort of learning curve of it, yeah. <laughs> um, whereas the system leadership bit and the people leadership bit are, are very sort of comfortable, I suppose, as, as a as a, D, as a DCS.
1: So what, what advice would you give to other aspirant chief executives or, or those who are, are coming sort of through the system and maybe have their eyes on the chief exec role at some point uh, in That's
2: their fine. career? Yeah, so we are getting a few more directors of children's services <laughs> stepping up into the chief executive yes, yes. role. In fact, a, a previous one said to me, you better reply because we need, we need more people <laughs> from the, from that sector as a chief exec role. Um, so um, I think it is, so, so what advice would I give? Um, leading a massive organisation <laughs> in, in such a uh, you know with such complexity and there's a lot of complexity in terms of the services that we run and the governance around our services is about to you know lead with humility lead with honesty lead with clarity <laughs> um, embrace accountability and i think that the best that i can describe it is that i see my job very much as trying to light little fires in leadership and letting those fires grow and those fires spread um, because you really do need to have that sort of bottom up approach that you create the conditions for everybody. And, and that's what I see my role as CX, be that with partners, uh, be that with politicians, be that with our workforce. It's about creating the conditions for them to light little fires, which can spread, which means that the organisation continues to, to move on and to give people the empowerment, the tools that they need to help them to do that.
1: That sort of dispersed leadership approach. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Why, why is it, do you think, then? it's good to hear that uh, from what you say, there are more um, directors of children's services in the, the CX pipeline. Why why do you think it's been that more directors of children's services haven't pursued that path?
2: Um, Gosh, that's a really difficult question to answer. I, I suppose from my perspective, and I can only really talk from my perspective, I absolutely loved the director of children's services role. Absolutely loved the networks, the ADCS Framework which underpinned and gave me that sort of confidence and security. Um, Loved working with partners (laughs) um, around the children's agenda. So it was a difficult decision for me to make because I loved the job that I was doing. Now, after saying that, um, and was obviously very frightened about the chief exec role, and you, you, you look at something, don't you, and you think, oh, I can't do a third of that, so I'm not going to apply for it. And um, then my husband reminded me that that was exactly the same conversation he'd had with me with my last 10 promotions that I'd always said, oh, I can't do that job. I'm never going to be able to do that job. And I love the one that I've got. And so I think it was very much about my family encouraging me to say, uh, no, you know, a, a woman stepping up into that role from that sector, stepping into that role, coming from Lincolnshire, you know, that the workforce would want to see somebody who's been through the system to, prom, you know, to, to have been promoted. And yes, you can do it and you need to set a good role model to others that I think sort of um, encouraged me. But, um, yes, they certainly have had that conversation at every single promotion along the way.
1: Excellent. Well, on, on that note, a kind of a, a final question really. What, what bit of advice would you give to someone working in either the public sector or in a charity, social enterprise delivering public services, who, who wants to make an impact in the way that you have?
2: Um, I, I suppose I can only really talk about my experiences and what, um, what I think are the sort of traits and the important things that have helped me on my, my development. Um I think it's about being true to yourself. You can't lead as somebody else. you have to lead in the way that is right for you um and I think it's important to lead with humility as well and to be to be yourself. Grasp every single opportunity that you get afforded to you. I do think it's important to to work hard uh, you know, I have worked incredibly hard um both at work and also professionally because of that thirst that thirst for knowledge um i think it's important to truly listen to what other people say um my dad used to say to me when i was growing up that you've got you know two ears and one mouth for a reason <laughs> so i think it's important to, to listen to other people um and, and 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 very much that bit in terms of it is all about relationships you know value your relationships value your colleagues um value every single bit of support that you can get uh, because people will want you to
1: thrive. Well thank you Debbie, thanks for spending the time with us today. Um, been really interesting to hear your thoughts on on those areas that we've touched on. Enjoy the rest of your day.
2: Thank you very much and thank you for uh, asking me to take part.
0: Okay it's back to Andrew here and thank you Debbie and thank you David for what was a really fascinating discussion. There's a couple of points I wanted to draw out, the first one being Debbie's thoughts on how the leadership required to sustain high quality being quite different from those needed to take a service on an improvement journey you still have to keep moving forward but it's definitely more incremental and a very different skill actually i really enjoyed the part of the interview where debbie spoke about peer-to-peer support and sector-led improvement and how the improvement partner very often learns as much from the experience as the recipient council and I think that's really true for anybody who's ever engaged in coaching or mentoring. It's a very symbiotic relationship and both parties can certainly gain and I really like the way Debbie described that. Lincolnshire clearly has a very well-developed relationship between the council and the health sector and also other partners like police and it certainly helps that a lot of the institutions, the council, the CCG, police are all co co-terminus as Debbie pointed out. That certainly will help implement the reforms outlined in the NHS white paper, which Debbie referred to, which for the place-based partnerships, that co-terminosity and it being largely based around the council footprint is so critical. So the fact that they've already got that in place, as well as having those existing relationships in place, really bodes well and then finally i loved listening to to debbie talk about her journey from being a director of children's services to being a chief executive and the honesty with which she spoke about the fear um really i think it it is the word that that she felt in taking on that new role which um, was really moving her out of her comfort zone where she was very comfortable with people-based services but as chief executive had to really take on ownership of Lincolnshire as a place as well and I thought that she described that fantastically well and and anybody who has ever stepped up to a big job you don't go into that job knowing everything you need to know or having all the skills that you need and just being brave and and going for it I think is is fantastic and I think Debbie described that really well and I think for all of us there there's a lot to be learned from that. So thank you again to Debbie and to David and to all of you for listening. And don't forget to register on the website or to follow the podcast on LinkedIn or Twitter to never miss a future episode.